Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, co-founder and co-host. Here's this week's interview by my partner, John Ramstead. Today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, I'm excited to introduce all of you to Pamela Winderweedle, actually now Pamela Winderweedle Hillman. Uh, many of you might remember the incredible interview we did with Oz Hillman, and Pamela, you and Oz are, are newly married. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you know, it, it has been a real theme and a topic throughout this whole podcast since we launched, just about how do we overcome adversities in our life, and how do we actually put everything that's happened to us in context to really connect to our, our personal calling, that personal why, what we were meant to do with that, and, and then how do we live out, really, in, from a kingdom perspective, what God has called us to do. And uh, just the feedback I constantly get from everybody out there, just this incredible audience we're in 166 countries, is you know just some of the roadblocks and obstacles, just places people are stuck. And today, this conversation with Pamela is just going to be so powerful for everybody to just understand that everything that has happened to you does have context, does have reason, is going to give you hope about moving forward into the future. So Pamela, thank you so much for taking the time today and, and being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. Well, it's great to actually finally put a face to a name. Everybody out there, I, we're, we have the video turned on, so I get to see Pamela. But, uh, you know, I'd love to start for a lot of people who maybe aren't familiar with you and your ministries, with Jabbar Ministries and Life Changers Legacy, which is a, a prison ministry. I'd love for you to maybe, you know, start and, and just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey. And then I, I just I have so many okay. questions for you. So, Sure, yes. Well, first of all, it's not really what happens to you in life. It's what you do with what happens to you. Mm. So at age five, I had a pastor. He made a declaration over my life. My grandmother, she was a devout Christian. She played in the church for 65 years. And she was constantly instilling Jesus in me. But I was a rebellious child at a very early age. (laughs) (laughs) So I I didn't receive that calling (laughs) When it was uh, placed on me, but this pastor, he did, he was at my grandmother's house and he laid his hands on me and he said, well, this one here, she's special. She's going to do great things for God one day. Well, not only did I receive that in my spirit, it stayed with me through my whole life of challenges, but the devil heard it too. So he comes to still kill and destroy. And shortly after that, my dad, he comes in to alcoholism at a very deep level and um, he starts fondling my sister and I and led into other things but then my uncle he did some things with my sister and I and then the godfather so I had a real trust issue to say the least and that led to at the age of nine me discovering pot and it actually became a family affair because my my mother, who was a Playboy bunny, she got with this hippie guy, and they were smoking pot. Actually, she was against it, but he talked her into it. So it became a family affair, and then I, I just went somewhere else. I was able to escape the the traumas that had happened to me and the seeds that were planted by the enemy that... You know, I couldn't say anything to anybody because my uncle said he would kill me and just so many other 
things that were just deposited into my soul at that time that that I was worthless, that I was shameful, just all the things that the enemy tried to do. And he was succeeding at that point because, you know, I received those deposits. But it was shortly after that that I became addicted. It was um, 11 years old. I started taking even heavier things than pot. And then just throughout my, my life, I had so many attempts by Satan to kill me through different men that I got involved with at 15. Um, I was taken off and tied up, choked, raped, and run over. Just throughout the course of my life, I got around the wrong people, and these similar things continued to happen. But I was in escape mode. I was trying to numb that that pain of all those those tragedies that had happened to me. I was a victim. I had such a victim mentality, and I was just trying to run from that, from what had happened to me as a child. And there's so many people, countless people. I have discovered so many women, There's there were like 85% of the women in prison that had been sexually abused as a child, and they, they never told anyone, or they told people and they didn't believe them, or they told people and they believed them, but they just said, well, it's past, just let it go. No one addressed those inner wounds, the traumas that rooted and caused all the the seeds throughout their life and, and all of the the things that we tried to escape from with all the other mess of the world. So all this was happening for you as you were going all the way through, I can't even imagine, and all the way through your teen years into high school and after high school. What, mm-hmm. So what, what, I'm just trying to think of all the people, both men and women that have, you know, can relate to what you're sharing now. What, how did that affect you, Pamela? I can't it, well, after so many times being beaten and so many times being sexually molested and um, just continuing to, to numb myself, it caused liver damage. I was in the hospital three different times with, with my liver. And one time they said that I wouldn't make it. And I said, well, can I get another liver? And they said, no, you won't make it six months. And... Another time, uh, I was, um, well, I was shot at many different times, but this one time, the gun went off, and I was sitting in a chair. It actually penetrated the chair and made holes in the arms, and the picture above me had holes in it and was shattered, and, and I thought I was shot. I really did, and when I stood up, the pellets fell, but I, I, was, I was crying, and I said, my grandmother is praying for me and I started crying and every time I say this I want to cry because I knew there was an angel in front of me in fact God has blessed me with actually Mm. seeing my guardian angel before and um, so I've gone through I've been with people that you know were drug induced and and hit the back of a big utility truck I went through the windshield my my esophagus was sliced my it broke two vertebrae in my back my face was hamburger meat they wouldn't even give me a a mirror, and I had a white line that went down my eye for so many years and discolored my eye. God is so faithful, even through all of these traumas and me putting myself in these these environments. He was always with me. 
He has always been with me. And and I know this, and I don't know if I can say that I accepted Christ at five when the preacher put his hands on me, but I know that those seeds were implanted from my grandmother, taking me to church and continually instilling good in me and just the values that and the principles that Christ teaches. So that stuck with me throughout those years. So, Pamela, as you were going through all this, I, I, you know, I hear this element of, you know, looking at things that were hopeful and looking at, you know, some of the seeds that your grandma had planted. And I'm wondering, you know, in the moment, if, if that's where you were at or that's something that developed, you know, as you processed this and matured later. I actually look back on it and at the age of 26, I personally accepted Jesus Christ mm. as my Lord and Savior. And it was a time of despair before that that I actually tried to commit suicide with an overdose, but it, it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work. I said a prayer before I did it. <laughs> and I guess, uh, you know, if you're serious about committing suicide, don't pray. But <laughs> because, it, uh, you know, God has good advice. me the whole time. So, yeah. So, um, but at that point, uh, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and everything started to change, but it actually started to, to get deeper. Even though my spirit had been filled with Jesus Christ and, and with the Holy Spirit, yep. I still had a soulish realm that had all of the ways of the world instilled. I had the addiction still in there. My soul was still wounded. All the traumas were still in my soul. So until that got purged, which took many years, it took probably, oh gosh, 25, 30 years after that to go through a process of healing each of those wounds. It wasn't just, you know, lights on at 26 and, and I'm healed and cleansed and delivered. It was a definite process to come to the identity of Christ. You know, Pamela, so the, if you could go back to that 26-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you have told yourself? You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. Jesus is with you. This is the process. Your story is going to, to transform thousands of other lives. And he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. We're in a spiritual battle. And mm -hmm. once we recognize that Satan is out to kill us and he works through our soul, then we can start basically taking his strategic plans apart through getting healing within ourselves and our minds, changing the old mindsets, being open to it, cooperating with God, basically, and giving permission to, to God to heal us, to our souls, to, to bring up any of that dirt. It hurts. All of those wounds hurt to be resurfaced. But that's the only way to be cleansed and to be healed and to go on to your calling, to your next level. Because we all grow through levels of grace. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, you talked about giving yourself permission. What, what did it take for you to allow yourself to uh, get that permission? It took going, <laughs> going into the pit. Mm. Going into the pit. And, you know, we fight and we struggle against things that, that are not comfortable in our lives, that aren't comfortable for us. So we, you know, first he says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But I trust if I do my part here on earth and I bind the enemy, he's going to do the rest. And if he, if God is allowing the enemy to sift me just as he did Peter, 
then I need to embrace that sifting. I need to embrace this, whatever's happening in my world, whatever job I've lost, whatever um, issues within my soul that are being exposed, I need to embrace them and say, okay, Lord, if this is you exposing these areas, then help me to go through the process. Help me to become better through this, to become what you've called me to, the identity I'm supposed to be, to go forward, to be your your disciple, to be used, to be your mouthpiece. You know, and you also talked about part of that permission was almost to share some of these experiences with other people. Is, is that hard to do? Well, it was for a while because I had a lot of shame and guilt from mm. all the things that I had done and the, the pain that I caused my family, you know, and I, I don't want to, I just didn't want to, to say, well, you know, I'm completely healed. I'm completely delivered and please accept me back because, you know, they had accepted me back in so many different ways and times that how can you believe someone? Well, you have to believe them and you have to trust them because it's not them. It's God working through them. So even even though, you know, he sends you all, well, he allows all of these different circumstances to happen in your life, and we're to embrace them after we, you know, do our part and in, in battle through them, but when he allowed me to go into the pit, to go to prison, I, I realized at that point, I said, this is my place of solitude to come back to God. This is my place of refuge. This is my college campus. This is my training ground. I kept telling the women this. The women were coming up and they were saying, how can you be so joyful? How how can you have this happiness and be so cheerful in prison? I said, I'm not in prison anymore. I said, these wires in here are only a visual of what I was in on the outside. Mm -hmm. I said I was so bound on the outside that those wires are nothing compared to the bondage I was in. I said I'm free now. I am free inside. That's all that matters. I said this is my first mission field in here. God called me. He said, I was like, you know, don't let me out, God. I don't want to go out into the world and tell whatever it is in me is healed. Whatever I need deliverance on don't let me out until it's gone. Well, then he took me to, I just, I just got in prayer. I just was praying and he said, you have to forgive people who have wounded you. And I was like, well, what about this and that? Well, write it down. He said, write it down. I did. I couldn't say their names. I couldn't even remember some of the, the people's names or the, I didn't know some of their names. So I just wrote down the circumstances, the, the incidents, and and I, I couldn't say it. I just had so much bitterness and anger and, and, and unforgiveness, I just couldn't say their names. So I put my hands on the paper. I started praying over the paper, started praying in the spirit over the paper, and the Lord started softening my heart toward the people after a couple of weeks, and I started saying their names. And then I started really getting the healing and deliverance and started praying for their salvation, started praying for each of their deliverance. And God is so faithful. He actually took me to write down my own name on the paper. 
And I didn't realize that I had so much unforgiveness toward myself. And and every time I just cried. I just weeped and just, you know, thinking of my children and my family, what pain I had inflicted on them. It just grieved me so tremendously. And I just couldn't let it go. Mm. But he said, look in the mirror. I looked in the mirror and he said, tell yourself you forgive you. And it took a while to do that. But I finally was able to do that. I was finally able to say I like me. Finally, I love me. And I do. I love me today. And I love well, all I, those who have who have inflicted the pain on me even. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. As you just shared that, I could just hear almost a, like a renewed energy and a joy in your voice as you just said that. I, You love yourself. You also love all these people that have caused all this and what a what a place to get to yes amen and you know jesus was on the cross looking down at all these that were spitting on him and beating him and pulling his hair and he said father forgive them for they know not what they do these people didn't know what they were doing as i was praying for these these people on my list one of them was a man who actually uh paid someone to drug me he was someone that had been trying to get me for a while and I just kept denying him and he said I'm gonna get you one day so he paid someone and uh, they did they drugged me and he brought six other men in to rape me and I had so much pain so much bitterness for this man so I I actually was thinking of having, or actually did, have someone that was going to hurt him, and I canceled that, but, so in the process, um, I started praying for this man's salvation, and the Lord showed me in a vision when I was praying for him that he was sexually molested as a child, over and again, and I started really weeping for this man, and God will always allow us to fulfill uh, a test, mm-hmm. and he did. This man came, came across my path after I was released. It was, I guess, a couple of months later, but I froze. I just froze, and I thought, oh, wow, this, this man is going to get me again. You know, fear crept in, and I said, no, I have forgiven him. And he said, oh, I've sought you out. And that's when the fear got me, mm-hmm. was when he said that. I can imagine. And, and then that's when the Holy Spirit said, no, you have forgiven him. And he started weeping and he said, I have come to Jesus and I have to ask your forgiveness. And I just started crying with him and I hugged him and I said, yes, I forgave you a long time ago. So... Forgiveness is absolutely a key to healing not only yourself but for someone else. And praying for those people who have wounded you. It's imperative. It's imperative <laughs> that that we not keep ourselves, our own souls in a prison by holding on to unforgiveness. Because that's all it does. It doesn't do anything to the person that has wounded you. Praying for that person, blessing those who curse you. Doing good to those who have wronged you. That is the mission. That is the the principles of Christ that we're to apply. So 
that's part of the deliverance. But it only happened in a place of solitude, in my pit. <laughs> but yeah. the pit actually is where people are in transformation. Well, you know, you talking know? about the pit, I, I'm, I'm struck by... Because uh, I'm just thinking of my, my own human reaction. Here's somebody that hired six people to do unspeakable things to you, and there must have been just this level of just anger and hatred oh, to was. the point where you hired somebody to hurt them, and you made this transition to not go down that path and pray for them. And what happened in that part of your life that allowed you to do that? Well, as I was in my, my cell, yeah. just really in deep so you were in prison when you say oh, so yeah my pit was my prison experience yes. okay it's, it's um prison to praise <laughs> <laughs> so um but the lord he ministered so deeply to me i first before he actually grabbed me and shook me a little bit i went to the library and checked out every self-help book and recovery book and and psychology book i could get my hands on and i said i'm gonna find out what this insidious drug is, that, this mindset that keeps causing me to go back to this insidious drug that I, I just can't change. And, and so I was determined. I was determined. I made a choice and said, you know, I have to change. That's when I cried out to God and I said, you know, don't let me out until it's gone. Well, that's when he spoke to me and said, the only thing that will change your old mindset is the memorization of scripture. Memorize the scripture a day. And I just listened to that for a moment and just meditated on it and said, I'm on it. I'm on it. So I started this little journal book that turned out to be an hour and 40 minutes long, reading the entire thing every single day to not only read the scripture that I memorized that day, but to read the ones that I memorized the days before because I was so determined I made a choice to change, and it really takes that, that determined choice. And, and until we do, we have a free will. We can, we can choose that and choose to heal and give our soul permission to heal, or it's not going to be lasting until we actually start changing the old mindset in our soul and getting healing in those areas of trauma we don't have a choice. It, it's just our old mindset. It's triggers that keep taking us back to that place. Mm-hmm. So in in my cell, it was it was a magnificent place. <laughs> it really was. It's it's hard for anybody to to see or say that, but people would they would say, "Oh my gosh, I saw a light," you know, and I just I was drawn to your room, and so so many people. I used to say, "I would I was just so happy." walking the compound and people were like how can you be so happy and I was like because I'm I'm free I'm free in here and and I would say I'm Josephine <laughs> I I would tell everyone I'm Mosette you know let my people go <laughs> Mosette. And I meant that in the soulish room from Satan so you know it's it's really just coming to a place of total surrender, and that's what I told the ladies. I would be in my room, and they would say, well, teach us to pray. I actually started a class called Daughters of Zion, Women of God Using Your Time Wisely, because I, I saw they weren't. They they were like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want to be happy. I, I want to 
I want to transform like this. And, and I was like, well, you can't sit there and do what you're doing and expect changes. You have to change your pattern of behavior and habits that you're doing in here for them to follow you on the outside. So they asked, how do you pray? And I said, well, the Lord taught me to pray scripture. I put my name in scripture. And on my website, you can actually go to the programs tab. And there are prayer sheets that I wrote when I was in prison. And there are faith sheets and I am sheets. So that was my first mission field. I started giving these prayer sheets out to thousands of women. Some of the guards would stop me and they would say, you can't give this out. It's got your name and, and telephone number on it. <laughs> I even put my number in, and had a P.O. box set up on the outside for people to, to write to. So I started my own little ministry while I was in there. So, um, hey, Pamela, what's board. your website? I'd love for you to share that so okay, people can. Yes, it's www.chabar, C-H-E-B as in boy, A-R, ministries, M-I-N-I, S-T-R-I-E-S dot org. And on the programs tab, if you go down to programs, you'll see a faith and prayer sheet. And you can download those off of the website. They're very powerful. They were given to me by the Lord because I asked him. I said, Lord, you've heard their request. They need prayer sheets. Um, Help me write a prayer sheet. So this is what came out of it. And it's just full of scripture. It's, it teaches the women. It teaches everybody, really. I mean, these prayer sheets go out all over the world. They're in other countries as well, in other prisons. And we have to speak the word. The Lord says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. If we don't speak the word, what's going to be prospering? If we're speaking negative things about our life, about our our future, that's what we're going to get. I would tell the women, either demons are picking up your negative words or angels are picking up your positive words. The Lord just gave me revelation after revelation in there. So I really do value that the time that I had there. And, and another astonishing thing is my birthday is December 18th. I got out November 18th, and I spent 18 months in. So 18 is a very big number for me, too. (laughs) That is a big number. You know, this is making me think of, um, it's something that, uh, you know, as I went through my accident and recovered, and, you know, 2 Chronicles 7, and and God says, you know, if my people who are called by my name Humble themselves and pray. <laughs> um, yeah, so humble yourselves. If yeah. they will pray, if they will seek my face. Yeah, turn if, from the wicked ways. And then he makes a promise, right? So yes. if if you do these things. That's right. Right? You humble yourself. You pray. You seek his face. You repent. You know, people are, I'm, I'm just listening to your story, and this is so in alignment with God's promise and his covenant with us, right? Yes. He makes us a promise. This is like one of the dependent events in the Bible. He says, then... You, I like to put it in first person too, right? Then, yes. Mm-hmm. Then you will hear from heaven. Yes. Then I will forgive your sin. Yes. Then I will hear, heal your land. That's right. And it sounds to me like you're coming from a place right now of joy and God has healed your land. And yes. I, and, and I think that, you know, and you don't need to go to prison and be in a cell. That's right. Uh, you don't need to have an accident and spend two years in a, you know, in recovery. That's right. To take the time to step back and do the things that you've done 
to move into this place of joy, relationship with Jesus, and healing? What it, I'd love to hear just your thoughts on that as, as this has really been part of who you, know, who you are and in, in, in how you live now. Yes. Well, I mean, the key truly is seeking God. When we get in a place of despair and discouragement, disappointment, just difficulties of life, we, yeah. we just go inward and we get depressed. We have to press through that. We have to push through that darkness of self and just get one glimpse of God. Just reach out and seek Him and say, God, help me. Help me. I need your help, Jesus. You know, that's the key. You have to seek Him. Open your Bible. Just randomly open. Let Him speak to you. Ask Him to bring people into your life that can make big deposits into your soul. They can be mentors for you. In fact, that's one of the things that we do. The women, as I was leaving, they were crying and saying, No, you know, we don't want you to go. And nobody ever writes us. Everybody promises, but they never do. They never follow up. Well, I wrote hundreds in the beginning and and just countless, I can't even tell you how many numbers now, but we have a mentorship program where I get one to, to three women one woman out here will mentor one to three women. So we send in packages. We send in books. We send in um, money when we can. We were sending in clothing and uh, different individual packages, but we can't do that anymore. We have to go through an actual system through the prison. But these women are a forgotten people. There are so many programs for men. There's some programs for women, but not to the to the depths there are for men and these women are are somebody's grandmother they're somebody's sister they're somebody's mother and a lot of them their families have died off their families have totally forsaken them because they're in prison they don't they don't realize that you know god sometimes allows these things to happen and you have to love people through it you have to it doesn't matter what somebody does it matters that they're seeking help they're seeking God they're seeking a new mindset they're seeking to transform it's truly it's just amazing the amount of women in there that want they they totally transformed and I mean the true test is when you get out but they want to come into the ministry mm-hmm. they they want to be guided they want somebody to hold their hand when they come out they, they don't want to go back to the same environment see that's a key they they don't have anywhere else to go. They're subject to going right back to the same environment they don't want to go back to. But a lot of them are at a place that they're willing to even stay there, to not go back to their old surroundings. Mm-hmm. And that's truly transformation there. Well, we have th- you know thousands of people listening to this episode. You know, What would you love to just share with people you know, in kind of different aspects of, you know, kind of where they are on this journey on just, you know, that what's that next small step to just move forward? Well, we all go through seasons and whether they're good seasons or bad seasons or seasons of transition, if if we just look at it as this is a, a process to progress me to where God wants me in my calling to where I could be useful for some someone else's life 
because it truly isn't what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. Mm. And we have to realize that many are called and few are chosen, that it's up to you. It's your predetermined decision and choice which direction you're going to go. You can shake off the dust of the old. You can shake it off and make a decision today to get in the Word, memorize the Scripture a day, seek out, go to your church, or, or ask God to lead you to the right church, and seek people that have been in the ministry for a while, who have been in counseling, Christian counselors, because I've, I've just seen so many destructive stories of people, women that have gone through counseling and gotten totally distorted images of themselves and and gone back and actually uh, there have been a couple of deaths through people that gone they've gone back after they've gotten out and gotten counseling through through the prison. But you know, our measure of success is is how faithful we are to God. He wants us to be faithful to him. He's always faithful to us. Now, if you know, you talked about this process. I'd love for you to paint the picture for people that are, you know, you know, they they're 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 in the pit still. They're going through the dark part of this process. Uh, well, if you if you look at your pit as a well, mm-hmm. and it's a wellspring of the Holy Spirit. Just your dark time where you are. Just picture yourself in that pit. Just see the Holy Spirit just. Filling it up with his waters, with his fresh waters, his new anointing, a time to dig in deep to him. That's the time that we grow. This is only a season. This too shall pass. One thing that I say all the time is all is well. Even if I'm in a difficult time, all is well. The lady that was running after Elijah when her son was back home dying, the whole journey, even when she reached Elijah, she said, all is well. Mm. We have to profess those things that we want. We have to profess the good, the positive. Watch your words, because words have power. And I'm telling you, either the demons are grabbing them or the angels are grabbing them. Once we grasp the fact that God has given us power and authority, as Luke ten nineteen states, all power and authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. Put on your full armor of God every day. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. These are imperative tools for your success. They're just, you know, we're being equipped. We're being trained. And that's what I kept telling the women in there. This is your training ground. Wherever your pit is, whatever season you're in, it's your training ground. It's it's your progress, your process to get to your progressive state. So, well, well, talk about that, right? I, I'd love for you to almost compare and contrast, right? Where you were going through this process, your dark times, where a lot of people are probably really relating to. But through this whole process, you know, what is life like today for you? Well, God is faithful, like I said. <laughs> he definitely. Um, You know, the scriptures are true. They are completely truth. There are promises throughout the word. And I haven't been married in in 16 years and actually had been praying for a husband. And there's all kinds of scripture in there for husbands, I'll tell you. (laughs) 
And um, the scriptures are truth, and they're powerful. And as we read them, there's so many about marriage. There's so many about a husband. And when you put your name in them, any and like Psalms 91, I actually have the women right now. They're memorizing that one, but it's in little you know pockets of paragraphs that we memorize it. But he had me memorize that. But I put my family in the very first. He, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He, Pamela, my family members who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Put your names in the scriptures. There's power in it. it it's an activating force. Our faith is an activating force of what we believe. So we have to believe first. We have to ask the Lord to, to get rid of all of the misbeliefs, the, the beliefs that we were brought up with that have hindered us from coming to a relationship with him. That's what his desire is, to be in an intimate relationship with him, to have a love affair with him first. doesn't matter where you are, as long as you're in love with Jesus. Hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Any final, you know, as we sign off here, any just final thoughts you'd like to leave with people, Pamela? Yes, yes, yes. Um, we are actually doing a Joseph Calling Conference September 23rd and 24th at the Atlanta Renaissance Hotel at the airport. And anyone can go to marketplaceleaders.org and register there. And you actually, if you do an early registration, it's $100 off. But I'll be speaking on overcoming hindrances and the Josephine Calling <laughs> Love that. Yeah. And you're, and that's a conference that you're doing with the Oz, right? With Oz, yes. And, and when I was saying the Lord is faithful, He has brought me into a place of, I wasn't looking. I, I actually was on a 30-acre farm. It was a, a property that I was trying to acquire for the ministry for the transition for the treatment facility I was creating. And uh, the workbook, we, we have this uh, five-phase workbook where we're doing and just uh, the entire equipping for, for the people coming out, right? So I I had to move off the property and I was not looking for a relationship, but God knew for such a time as this. So I go to this movie Captive premiere and I meet us and I had someone that was a producer that was working with me that wanted me to sign a contract that day for this movie on my life, which is called See Me Free. And I, I didn't sign it because there were just too many discrepancies. And, and so the person that invited me to this captive premiere, she said that us, Hillman, that he knew some people, some producers, and that I might want to connect with him. So she introduced me afterwards, and she told him that there was going to be a movie on my life. And he said, well, what merits a movie of your life? What makes your life so interesting? And and so I said, well, there's a lot. So he said, well, let's get together. So we had lunch. I work at an engineering company in Alpharetta, and he works in coming. So we met for lunch, and then we met for lunch again, and then we met for, for lunch again. And I, I was just too busy to really connect. And he kept giving me books, and I said, I can't read it right now. I have to move off this 30-acre property, and and I'm really busy. So so he kept giving me books, and finally, after about, a, I guess, a month, he said, you haven't looked at my website, have you? 
<laughs> and I said, no, I'm sorry. I've been really busy. And um, I finally looked at it. And we had already really established a close relationship by this month. And I text him back, oh my gosh, exclamation points all the way across. And I said, I'm so glad. I didn't know who you were before. We started establishing this relationship. I don't know why I said that, but I did. But um, so the Lord has brought us together. We got married on May 7th, and our theme was suddenly God for such a time as this, because neither one of us were looking. He hadn't been in a relationship with anyone for seven years, and iron sharpens iron. So we are definitely sharpening one another, and God has called us to... um, to join somehow, we're we're doing the conferences right now, so we'll see what he's doing. Well, that's going to be a great conference too. So you know, anybody out there that's really trying to look at you know the adversities in our life, the challenges that we have, and how do we turn that into using it for for good for others to yes. connect to what God has called us to do, you know, professionally, personally, in relationship. Uh, it's going to be a great conference, and I love yes. both of you guys. You're fantastic, and your websites you. are, that's at marketplaceleaders.org. Just look for the Joseph Calling Conference. Yes, and there are a lot of other powerful speakers that will be there. Yep, and yours, and yours is Chabar Ministries, C-H-E-B-A-R Ministries, I-E-S is how it ends, dot org. And yes. Pamela, thank you so much for your time. And, oh, thank you. And I'd love for people to get in touch with you and, and connect with what you're doing and your programs and your prayer sheets. And I just encourage everybody listening to go to the, the blog post for this article. All the links will be there. And, and I just thank you for your time, your testimony, and just who you are. I'm just oh, encouraged myself just, just hearing you and what you've shared. And I can just hear that joy, that yeah. happiness in your voice. And I'm sure... At this point, you're at just a level of maturity that regardless of outside circumstances, uh, that probably doesn't change. And that's just a place so many people are seeking. And thank you for just modeling that in such a beautiful way. Oh, thank you so much. I would like to say one more thing, and I I meant to put this in. But while I was in, I, I, well, I didn't. Uh, the Holy Spirit wrote a poem through me because I joined this creative writing class. Can I can I say the poem real quick? Yes, please. Okay, it's very powerful, and you have to listen to every <clears throat> single line because it has profound meaning. And it's actually going to be in our book as well. And it's called The Confrontation Within. There is an intention for something far greater, something that runs counter to my conscience. It's struggling to make itself known. I must confront the fears that try to keep me on the seat of anxiety so that my true self may come to its fullness in reality. My ego keeps me running from myself, and I don't want to admit it. I am a battle within, or am I within the battle? This force, this force, where does it come from? Where must it go? I must confront the demons within to unfold the greatness of true self without sin. Is this who God has created? The confrontation within has to be met with boldness, with authority, with faith and truth. Who holds that truth? Do you know? One thing is for sure, only in him can I truly grow. Lord, teach me to battle. Teach me to win. Teach me to conquer the confrontation within. 
Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you that for sharing beautiful. that. I'm glad that you did. Thank you. That was totally Holy Spirit inspired. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful day. Thank you again. And I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days very soon. Yes, very soon. And God bless you all and seek his face. Thanks for listening to Eternal Leadership. Be sure to check the summary of this MP3 for any important links and a link to the show notes for this episode. By the way, if you're a regular listener to Eternal Leadership, could you give John and I a hand? Could you give us a rating and review on iTunes? It's how most people listen to podcasts, and ratings and reviews help bump us up those charts. The higher we are, the more people that will stumble onto us. If you don't listen through iTunes, rate and review us on whatever platform you listen, or just share it with someone that you think could really benefit from our topics and guests. Thanks. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.